Hi, welcome to the Way to Wellness podcast. I'm Angela Shack, the founder of Way to Wellness, and I'll be your host today in our series on interviews with the experts. Our guest today, among other things, has become an expert on stress and anxiety. Through her own personal journey, she has brought her experiences and her knowledge to help others discover healthier ways to view stress and anxiety and to be able to experience more joy. Hence the title of her two books, Joy of Nada and Joy of Anxiety. And in addition to helping others through her writings and workshops, she's a psychotherapist in private practice and the founder of SIBS, Sisters in the Business of Life, uh, which is a support network. So I am delighted to welcome Sue Gennaro Legacy, who will be talking with us today about joy. Thank you, Angela. I'm really happy to be here. It's good to be here with you. Well, let's get started. Of course, as I mentioned, you've written two books and and have done some other writings with manuals and whatnot. But in your first book, uh, it is a memoir. But I really think in both of the books and in your workshops, you've shared a good bit about yourself and how your early days with childhood into adulthood has shaped who you are today. Can you share one or two of the things that you think had the most influence? I think the most influential experience that shaped me into who I am today is my cultural background. I grew up as an Italian-American in a family as the third daughter, and my father was waiting for a son because he wanted to carry on his name. So I was supposed to be a junior. And since I was supposed to be a boy, they didn't pick a family name out for me. When I turned out to be a girl instead, my father asked my sister what to name me, and she named me after two of her dolls. So I was the boy that wasn't, and that created this anxiety in me that I was just this another girl without purpose to the family. I never had a real sense of belonging in my own family. I was anxious around other people, was unsure of my role, how to be, what to say, what I now know to be social anxiety. In fact, I couldn't even sign my name on something as insignificant as a credit card slip. I was terrified my hand would shake and my signature wouldn't be legible. Well, that anxiety followed me into an adulthood and into my work as a psychotherapist, but it gave me purpose. I learned all I could about anxiety so I could help others. My specialty became helping adults relieve the stress in their lives by learning different perspectives on their stress and anxiety. Yes, and I love the title of your book, Joy of Anxiety. Uh, you've often made the distinction between joy and pleasure. Just, just what is the difference between those two? Well, that's a really interesting question because we sometimes equate joy with pleasure. Well, pleasure is derived from something that's outside ourselves. It's external, like food, certain foods that we love, or a cold drink. It could be an ice cream cone, a glass of wine, and, of course, my personal favorite pleasure, the hot-off-the-rack Krispy Kreme donut or two or three. But pleasure is temporary, just as the pleasure with that donut subsides after you've had a half dozen or more and you feel that guilt and regret that you've just eaten thousands of calories of empty nutrition. And with pleasure, you always want more. It's not fulfilling. Like they used to say about Lay's potato chips, you can't eat just one. And potato chips and donuts are my two guilty pleasures. And those Lay's potato chips and those wonderful, chewy, sweet, melt-in-your-mouth donuts are only pleasurable until they're gone. When they're gone, the pleasure goes with them. Whereas joy comes from within. It's a place inside ourselves that touches us at our very core. It's an internal fulfillment, and it's not fleeting. It's permanent. It's there once it's there. 
and there isn't any guilt involved. True joy can bring a change in a person. You know, for some people, religious enlightenment brings them joy because it gives them a perspective that they're not alone. So they feel protected from whatever life might bring them. That's a complex joy. You can have simple joys too, like watching your child take their first step, an awesome joyful experience. When I was working in the medical hospital and I'd go into a room of a very ill patient and if their grandkids walked into the room, you could just see their eyes light up and that was joyful for them and for me. Playing with your pets, being out in nature can be joyful. Facing a fear of something you long to do but are afraid of takes courage, yet when you accomplish it, it can bring you joy. You know, presentations can be so scary for people and they have always been for me for so long. And yet, if you have a strong desire to share your message with others, if you push beyond that anxiety, you can experience that good feeling from that accomplishment. I love looking at joy as an inside job and we can find joy when we live in the moment. So it's, it's feel your fear to find your joy. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be a struggle for a lot of folks, that concept of uh, you've got to experience uh, those unpleasant feelings perhaps to get to that place where you can, can really discover the joy. And it really sounds like joy is about connecting with, with others or nature or something outside of yourself. Uh, beautiful. To, to bring it to yourself. Yeah. Yes, that's a beautiful way to express it. Um, so given that, um, you know, you've worked with a lot of people in trying to discover uh, healthier ways to overcome their anxious feelings or, you know, minimize their stress so that they can get to that open place to receive that joy and be able to connect with that. Um, we know there's a lot of obstacles when folks are in those kinds of situations. What are some that you have noticed that really get in the way? Well, that, that's an interesting question, too, because we always think of obstacles as outside of ourself. You know, if they're external, there are these roadblocks, there are detours, there's things in the way that prevent us from moving forward. But the obstacles to joy are all within us. They're all within ourselves. Our inner critic, it's that voice inside that says, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I can't do that. I'm not worthy of praise or a really biggie. This isn't perfect enough. I have to redo it and sometimes over and over again. But all of those thoughts are the inner critic. And when you feel unworthy, it's hard to have joy. Then there's fear, not reality-based fear, because fear in the moment is okay. You know, if a dog comes racing down the sidewalk when you're walking your dogs, you can be afraid and you're gonna feel, you might be. And I'm not talking about that in the moment fear, but I'm talking about being vulnerable, allowing ourselves to feel any anxiety or fear and do it anyway. I'm talking about the irrational fears of the future, those what ifs. What if I stutter and stumble on stage? What if I say the wrong thing in an interview? That fear of what might occur takes us out of the moment and into the future, and there's no joy in the future. And the third one, important one, is regrets. If only I had a better education. If only I hadn't divorced my husband. If only I had more money, then I could be happy. And basically, we tell ourselves we can't be happy because something happened to us in the past that we can't let go of. You know, when we start to experience something fun or when we are happy, we might worry that this won't last. When is the other shoe going to drop? I have no right to expect this. Well, Brene Brown, whom we use a lot of her, her information because she does research on 
on stress and anxiety and, and shame and how to how to empower yourself to get through a lot of these things we go through. But she calls this foreboding joy. And in a nutshell, for, foreboding joy is a dress rehearsal for tragedy. It's preparing for the worst, even when things are at their best. Oh my gosh, this is too good to be true. What if I lose this? So fear builds a wall between us and any joyful experience, and that prevents us from joy. And, and finally, when we live in the past with our regrets, wishing things were different, or when we try to control the future by thinking of all those possibilities of the negative things that can happen, that kind of thinking keeps us from experiencing what's happening in the present moment. And it just brings us stress, more stress and anxiety. Because joy is not found in our past or our future. It's right here in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I hear you talk about that, it just seems like you know there's a lot of time and energy that people are spending um, on these things that are not constructive and not healthy and, and keep them from, from being able to get to that place of joy. And you mentioned the present moment, and uh, we do often hear that term to live in the present. Uh, but I think people still are a little unsure about what exactly does that mean and, um, you know, especially how do you do that? Can you shed some light on what that is and, and why it's important? As I mean, you alluded to it a little bit already, but just, uh, you know, a little bit more on that. Well, Angela, that's a fantastic question, you know, because that question has become one of the most confounding and confusing issues about personal health. All the experts try to find some way, or they all do, but they find a unique way of explaining it. And we often get caught up in the confusion. We can lose sight of what living in the present really means. For me, so this is how I think of it. As a human, we only get to live in one of three places. There's the past, the present, or the future. And only one of those places actually exists. The past isn't real. It's over. It's like a book of facts that's been written. What can you do about it? Nothing. When we live in the past, we try to change it, but we can't. The future is the most unreal place of all because it doesn't exist and never has. When you live in the future with all those what ifs, that takes us away from the present moment experience of life because we try to control what's going to happen because we can get anxious about the unknown and we want certainty. And the future, with the future, our future is uncertain. So we have no influence over what might occur. We can plan. But as the old saying goes, we plan, God laughs. So, <laughs> That's right. So it's really true, isn't it? Yeah. And I, you know, and I think there is that difference between, um, you know, living in the future and planning. And you just mentioned that, that sometimes people feel like, well, I have to have a plan or a goal. And, and that's not, doesn't sound like that's what you're talking about here. You're saying, yes, we, we need to plan for things. We, you know, it's great to have goals. We know that. But, but if we're the what ifs, it's really that. What if uh, trying to change the future, which, of course, is the same as trying to change the past. It's, um, it's difficult to do because it hasn't arrived yet. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Because so living in the present means letting go of that past, you know, not trying to change it anymore because it's over and allowing the future to be what it will be. Stop trying to control it because that's where all the anxiety is. And so living in the present means having an awareness of this moment right here, right now, just like you and I are having right now and letting ourselves experience it. Because I mean, some people have said there is no anxiety in the present moment because we're not worried about what might happen and we're not thinking about what has happened. 
the other thing is, is we, we don't want to be present sometimes. If something's unpleasant that's going on or it's painful that's in the moment, but that's just experiencing what's happening. That's experiencing our life. If we allow ourselves to feel whatever it is we feel in this moment, the feelings will pass for one, and we will have experienced life more fully because we can't make up each moment we lose. Why waste it on being in the past or the future? That's what causes us that stress, anxiety, or worry. And the only real place that joy can happen is in the present. When we try to deny, avoid, or run from, or even medicate any painful feelings that are occurring in the moment, we can numb the joy too. So it's important to allow yourself to feel the fear and find your joy because joy is on the other side of that fear. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, you know, I think it's um, important just to clarify for folks out there that, you know, you're, you're not talking about situations um, like abusive situations, or if you're in a, um, you know, a, an emergency situation, you're talking about you're, you're feeling this fear because you're thinking about what might happen or thinking about, something that's already happened. So absolutely. Um, if you're if you're in an abusive situation, of course, and we as social workers, if we're talking to someone and we know that's the case, you have to deal with it. You know, we that's real fear. That's that's real fear. That's um, something you need to do something about. So um, yeah, it's not that it's just it's the worry and the stress over things that are not occurring in the moment, only in our minds, the things that are, you know, only they're only happening in our minds. Exactly. Yeah, I've, I've heard some statistics once upon a time, and, and the percentage of what we worry about that's probably not going to happen is, is it was like 80% of our time is spent worrying about, you know, unfounded uh, things. So uh, uh, good to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and there used to be a formula that we talked about when, in the psychiatric hospitals for people that were always living in the past or in the future. That I think someone made up a formula. You should spend about 17%, I mean, I think it was even that exact, of your time in the future and maybe 11 in the past and the rest should be in the present. And I'm not good at math. I'm, I've got one of my, that's one of my uh, inadequacies and my insecurities. But well, so 20, 28% needs to, to be in those uh, future past and the rest, the rest is uh, in the present. So that's, thank you. Yes. Thank you. You are, yes. good, at, you are good at math. <laughs> so, well, you gave me time to think about it. So, um, so, so again, that's important for us to remember because I think we think of the present as sort of, okay, this is fleeting. It's only, it's happening so quickly that, um, you know, that, but that's really not it. It really is the bulk of our, I mean, that is our existence. That's what we're doing uh, each right. day. That certainly makes sense. Well, of course, you know, it's hard to have a discussion today without making some uh, note about the current pandemic situation with with COVID-19. And I think what, you know, the reason I'm bringing it up is because we're talking about joy. Some folks may be feeling like, how, how can I even take time to think about joy? It's, you know, there's so many negative things going on in our world right now and so many things and we need to do and people we need to take care of. What would you say to those folks who are feeling like I need to put joy on the back burner right now because I've got other things to, uh, I was going to say to worry about, the other, other concerns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Absolutely. And again, they, people wonder, how can I ever find joy in this? What Right now we have one of those situations that is extremely unpleasant, can be extremely unpleasant and totally out of our control. 
We, we don't have any control over what's going to happen because we don't know. Uh, we can do things like wear a mask and, and protect ourselves and social distance and try not to get the virus, but we still don't know what's going to happen economically and with our jobs and <clears throat> with a lot of the things in our lives when we can see our kids again, our grandkids or whomever. But if we want to have joy, we have to accept that it is, that this is an unpleasant time, that this is a, a time where we don't have any control over. And rather than focus on those things we can't do anything about, we need to focus on what we can do for ourselves or for others. And one way would be to volunteer, you know, donate money or donate your time to a food bank or to United Way, something like that. When everything is in turmoil as it is right now, rather than focus on everything that's bad, we need to focus on what's good. As hard as it may be, we, we need to be grateful. We have to focus on what we have instead of what we have not. And for me, it's a lot of time to, lots of time to spend with my puppies. They bring me great comfort and joy. For my husband, it's working in his garden. He just goes out there. I mean, it's right there. It's pandemic friendly. For a friend, I have a friend who has high risk issues for the virus. It's making calls to make sure people vote. She feels really good about that. Many older people looking to the last productive years of their lives are stuck at home. They can't take vacations. They can't go to church. They can't see their grandkids. So we have to learn to discover that joy within us, no matter where we are or what situation we find ourselves. Especially in these times, there's no time like the present. It's a matter of changing your perspective on stress, the stress of the pandemic. Since we don't know what the future brings and we know there's no joy in conjuring up what ifs, we need to see our stress through the perspective of gratitude. Gratitude is a perspective that can keep us in the present moment and away from any future fears and for me, I'm so grateful for the Zoom platform. It allows us to do this. It allows us, you and I, to be together. It allows me to see my clients and catch up with my kids and grandkids, have happy hours with friends all over the state or world, for that matter. And that that produces joy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we. I, I don't know what you think about Viktor Frankl, but he was in a concentration camp uh, during the war, during World War II, and he observed people and he noticed that now nobody knew if they were going to be extinguished that day or go off to their death. They didn't know what might happen, but some people still had, he noticed, smiles on their face that were living in the moment. They were experiencing the day without worry of the future and what would happen. Amazing. I mean, to me, it's totally amazing. It was about accepting what can't be changed and being positive about what can be. Mm -hmm. which is our attitude. I agree. I agree that, you know, his, his books, his, his writings and teachings are uh, probably even more relevant today or not more, but as relevant, certainly inspiring to be able to be in situations where there's great struggles and depression and uh, loss, uh, which right. is what we're experiencing now uh, with, right. with the struggles and, and people experiencing great loss, uh, whether it's a, a loved one or, like you said, their, you know, their security in terms of their jobs and finances and those kinds of things. So the important thing I think that, that Frankel talked about and, and that you're talking about is we, you know, you can spend your time and energy, you know, almost fixated on that and, and continue to feel more helpless and uh, more overwhelmed because it is often out of our control. 
or you can choose to do what you need to do to take care of yourself, take care of others and address those feelings that you're having because they're real. If you've had a loss, then you're, you know, you need to uh, work through that and reach out and get support and all the things we know to do or hopefully are doing when we're in those situations. But this is really sort of an overarching philosophy or way of approaching life in general. It's not, okay, I'll just have joy when everything's fine in the world and everything's fine in my life. And that's just not uh, a reasonable kind of thing, is it? So, so yeah, so I'm one of the reasons we're talking about this today is that it's especially important because of what we're going through to take this time. So, yeah, I think um, certainly Viktor Frankl's writing, if you you know, it's kind of a mainstay for those of us in the field of mental health wellness. And, uh, uh, but I think it's also something that anyone could read and feel inspired. And mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Kind of getting up to today as far as your, what you're doing. You know, I know in your workshops and the support groups that you do, the networking groups, the question that you are often leading with is what's next? And I'll ask you that question today. What's next for you? One thing I know that I want to do is to keep spreading the joy. I know I'll be doing more weekly workshops to help women find discovery and peace of mind, self-discovery and peace of mind, and of course, more joy. I also want to continue to help people find more paths to joy, you know, because a lot of what's important, the way to stay mindful and in the present there are a lot of ways to do that, but some of the ways people people don't think about. One of the best ways, it's even recommended by doctors. I mean, when you go in for depression, a patient goes in or a client goes in for depression, the doctor's going to say, you need two things. You need to go to therapy and you need to exercise um, and maybe add vitamin D. I don't know if that might be something to do. That's what everybody's advocating. Now. But um, exercise can be so uplifting and important because it, it changes the chemicals in our brain. So exercise is important, yoga, anything like that. And, and I just want to share more of that as I get, you know, into my workshops of ways to do, to find more joy, the meditation, journaling, all just powerful, effective ways to keep us more in the moment and become more mindful of our, what we do have. I agree. And, uh, you know, again, for folks who are struggling with, with this concept, is there is there one first step that you might recommend if you said, okay, when we you know, wrap up today and you continue the rest of the, the day or the week, what's one thing that you may suggest as a starting place? I think that one of the most helpful ways, of course, you can just take a walk around your neighborhood or around your house or just sit outside for five minutes. I think getting out in the sunshine uh, can be so helpful, but also something you can do in your home at any time is journaling. And there are some journaling exercises you can do. It doesn't have to be just a free writing abstract, you know, this is what's how I feel right now. And I'm in the moment, just, you can start with a sentence stem. Like right now I'm thinking about, and then you just write for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And, and what journaling does when you actually use certain exercises is it takes you, deeper into your unconscious. So what, how you really think and feel will come out on the page. And that's helpful. That's like, it's like talking to someone, maybe talking to a therapist, talking to a friend, 
but you're doing it on your own and you can do it at any time. So I would really suggest journaling exercise and maybe consider that one, that very brief, easy to begin with sentence stem. Right now, I'm thinking about and find and really discover what you are thinking about. And that can take you into a lot of different places. And you can do a feedback right on that. You can then after you write, you can go. What I notice about this is what I'm aware of. Hmm, I'm curious about. So you're you're doing a deeper dive into what you just wrote, which takes you deeper into your self-conscious, your subconscious and allows you to really, again, understand and explore what's really going on with you and how to feel better and how to be in the moment. That's exactly what that sounds like, is that really is going to pull you into what's going on. At, you know, you talk about living in the present, what's happening in that moment, how are you feeling? And of course, when we talk about writing, the other thing it's doing is it's getting you away from the keyboard, you know, of, of your computer and actually going to pen on, you know, pencil on paper, pen on paper. And that is um, a different process we know doing actual yes. writing in that in that way. And, and, an, and an important part of journaling is having the handwritten part of that. So. Right. Taking the pen or the pencil, the paper and going, getting into that flow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Some great suggestions. And again, I know there's a lot more that folks can do. So if they do want to get a little bit more information or contact you in any way, what is the best way? You have a website or what, what, what's the best way for folks to get more information about maybe any events that you have coming up or workshops or whatnot? The best way to get in touch with me is to go to suelegacy.com and there you'll notice my workshops, my upcoming workshops, workshops that I've done that are closed, um, but that will probably come up again in the future. And you can always contact me. There's email. You can write me an email from that. Send me an email. I'd be happy to, to talk with you and our, my phone number's on there also. So please feel free to contact me uh, with any concerns or comments or questions. Terrific. All right. Well, um, that's good to know. And I'll post that also in the show notes for the podcast so folks can have that information to to go to. And I've attended some of those workshops and they're great. So uh, and now that things are telemed and uh, virtual, it gives people opportunities that uh, may not live here locally uh, in Texas as we do. Again, that's something that I've uh, been grateful for is that we have this ability to actually extend uh, what we can do and offer to people so yes well it certainly sounds like you've you found your purpose and uh, you're doing what you love and and helping a lot of people along the way so we're we're thankful that you were here today to uh, share your wisdom with us and I certainly want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and would invite you to please check back soon for our next episode on interviews with the experts. Since Sue uh, brought up Viktor Frankl, who's one of our mentors in the field, I would like to end with a quote from Viktor Frankl. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Love it.